Uh, <laughs> it is a shirt that has 2017 World Series MVP, and it's like a Jeopardy buzzer. <laughs> nice. See, if I were like the Astros SB Nation blog, I think there's is called Crawfish Boxes. Uh-huh. Um, oh my God. I would come up with a T-shirt that says Buzzer Beater, yeah. and I would yeah. fill the shit out of it. He also has one that says still counts and it's got Buzz Lightyear and then the ear does. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> great. That's good. <laughs> Let's go! Newton has to play action fakes. It's a pass in the zone. Yes, touchdown! Just got it away. There's Keith Lee. Touchdown, Carolina. Hello and welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is your second episode of the 2020 year. This is Brian, joined as always by Brad and John. John, how are you doing right now? lovely it's just nothing but good vibes over here nothing bad has happened in sports lately no never especially not now brad how are you doing yeah i couldn't agree with john Moore. i mean this has <laughs> been the best week ever a lot of buzz around this year this, this season yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so... that's a joke call back to before you guys were listening yeah, so, you know it was funny. <laughs> that was actually just... really good. It's almost so, worth putting all that conversation <laughs> on the show, just so, so more people get that just, joke. Just so you guys know, Brian made a funny there, but you don't get it. <laughs> the cold open is going to be about twenty-five minutes long, so I hope you guys appreciate that. Um, the, the intro music is like the last is in the last thirty seconds of the show. <laughs> um. So yeah, we did. We discussed a little bit of the stuff going around in sports, which is why I made a funny, but. The Panthers had a lot happen this year, or specifically this week. Well, this in the that, last few days. This year works too. That that does work. It's only been it's a another few joke. Weeks. It's um, a New Year's joke. You see. Yeah. Yep. You see. Um. So, to give you all a breakdown of how this week has gone so far, on Tuesday, Carolina, a fit. Well, I shouldn't even really say Carolina. It was more so Joe Brady, but Joe Brady officially announced that he would return to the NFL and be the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator for which we all rejoiced because we are used to the Mike Shula's and Ron Rivera's and Norv Turner's of the world. So having a fresh offensive mind paired with a fresh offensive mind at head coach was super exciting. So for approximately two hours, we were all pretty fucking stoked. And then Luke Keekley retired out of nowhere and brought all of our spirits down a lot. Um, it's really kind of selfish of him to announce it on that day. Like, why could just like give us the yeah, one just, day? Yeah, leave. just wait till tomorrow, dude. Yeah, it's yeah. almost as if it's almost as if Carolina waited to share that until after they announced Joe Brady. I don't know, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, but before we get into the whole Luke Keekley thing and how much that sucks, we'll let's break down the fact that LSU's offensive passing coordinator is now Carolina's offensive coordinator. John, I know that you have a big chub <laughs> over this, so give me your I don't thoughts. think I'm the only one. I think everybody's excited. No, but uh, I know uh, you're over there like, throw, like making so, spreadsheets on Excel as we speak. That's what I do. When, so. I'm, when I'm really in a good mood, I just start typing numbers into Excel and see what happens. Uh, I'm really excited 
<laughs> um, just because not just because of his age, but just because of his thought process. And he talked about it in his little Q and a he did on Panthers.com, you know, utilizing your players abilities and not trying to pigeonhole them into certain roles that you want your offense to have. I have I think, to well, hold up. Would you like me to read the quote? Yeah. Pull that, read that quote. Quote. The most important thing that we do from a system standpoint is we find out what our players do well so we can put them in position to have success. I don't believe that a system is. This is what we do regardless of who we have. Now, it's critical that we find a vision for each and every player. The offense that we're looking to have is one that applies pressure. Applying pressure, getting your speed in space, making defenses defend every blade of grass, and just let your players do what they do best. That's very chief chiefsy. Oh God, Joe, that's so good. (laughs) Oh God, keep it going. Okay, now this is my my thought. Why is that so new and refreshing and worth celebrating? That's literally the basic concept of playing any sport. You have guys who do this well, so do that. But do it. Defense wins championships, Brad. The offense doesn't matter. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> Why, like, that shouldn't be something we should be excited about. That should be something that every coach says, and it shouldn't be like, a look at this guy's groundbreaking way of approaching the sport. He wants to make <clears throat> players do what they're good at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, But and- I'm so glad that we, we are now one of the teams that take that approach instead of, well, we're going to run the ball 30 times, damn it. It doesn't matter if we're yeah. only gaining 1.8 yards per carry. And also, Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel is our wide receiver too, so he's going to run on the outside ninety-five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Christian McCaffrey is our running back one, so he's going to run between the tackles ninety-five percent of the time. Oh, and he won't man. sub out because he's the starter. You Why know, you... I bet you there's nobody in on our roster that was more excited at the change in head coach and philosophy than the running back room. Everybody not named Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey's like, oh, man, I got to share some now. Well, like, just to – I don't want to get on this topic too long, but, like, I don't know if it was just me. I feel like we had this conversation a few times last year, but, like, there were times where I'm just like, dude, the offense is not fucking working running Christian McCaffrey up the middle. Line him up out wide, put another running back back there, and suddenly maybe your offense is a little different. And – it just seemed like that was just a foreign concept to this offensive coaching staff for a long time. Where like I sit there and I watch the fucking Eagles are the one that really fucking got to me because they had Boston Scott and Miles <laughs> Sanders who were athletically comparable to like Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel and probably Reggie Bonifon. And if they we did so play. much more creative shit with those two guys. They lined them up out wide. They ran like jailbreak screens it wasn't your traditional like power offense with them they just put them in positions where it's like okay we're gonna get you the ball in space and you're gonna do well and they did well and they're two like undrafted free agents or late round draft picks and i'm just sitting there watching the games with the eagles i'm like why can't carolina figure this fucking out i don't understand and 
I feel like now I'm not going to be so angry watching Carolina's offense. Like we and may it's not, not just win. Carolina though. That's a league wide problem. Like I'll use an example that where a process is, is over results, but it's not really quote unquote helping this team, but the Tennessee Titans, yes, they're in the, the AFC championship game, but all they do is hand the ball to Derrick Henry. Like that's, that's their offense. And you should, you know, it's, I don't think they're going to win because they're so predictable. Um, they're just benefiting from the fact that Derrick Henry has been inhuman for the last two weeks. Well, he's also the guy that you would like take a pen and paper and draw up for that kind of offense too. Where Christian yeah, Caffrey I mean, yeah, like, unless you have somebody who looks like Derrick Henry, you should not run what Tennessee does. But so yeah. many teams do it, like we do it. Well, we did. <laughs> um, you know, you just. I also don't know if that's a sustainable way to win. And they also, he hasn't done it wasn't sustainable. People kind of like gloss over how good Ryan Tannehill was in the regular season and that, and how much that played a part in them having their big run at the end of the it, year. It wasn't it just even, Derrick Henry. It wasn't even just Ryan Tannehill. That offense was scoring touchdowns at a 75% rate in the red zone, which is yeah astronomical when it comes to the rest of the league. Well, there's only one thing that really explains it. They established the run. No. Before the season started, Mike Vrabel said that he would oh, cut yeah. off his, his <laughs> penis if it meant winning a Super Bowl. I clearly, it's clear as day, he has already made that deal with the devil. And I mean, I would, he's probably I would play, a Ken doll down there, and they're going to win. I would play my ass off for a coach who said he's going to cut his dick <laughs> off if you don't win the Super Bowl. I mean... I that whole interview was off. great too. And they were like, <laughs> are you serious? You're married. He's like, I've been married for 20 years and have three kids. I don't need it anymore. <laughs> That's a great quote. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And then they said hey, something mate, like, would your wife be mad? And he said she would probably offer to, to cut it. <laughs> uh, guy stuff. Um, <laughs> On Joe Brady. Back to Joe Brady. Yeah, yeah um, let's let's stop talking about Mike Brable's dick. I think so and I don't know we don't want to get too da- deep into the to the weeds of the whole like Cam Newton and stuff. But um he would fit very well with Joe what Joe Brady did with Joe Burrow with the the spread, the empty formations and the run pass options out of empty formate after uh empty formations, which he did a lot. Like they scored a touchdown like that against Clemson. But the other thing, Christian McCaffrey, they use Clyde Edwards Alaire. Is that what his name is? Yeah. Clyde Edwards Alaire. Um they would split him out wide or put him to like chip defensive ends and then go out for pass routes. And that fits like McCaffrey would be absolutely like the best player in the NFL in that kind of role. Or best yes. running back in the NFL in that kind of role. You know who so, fits that offense way better than either of those guys in the NFL? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yep. Joe Burrow. <laughs> Panthers are going to trade up for Joe Burrow. And Cam Newton will be involved in that trade. Don't at me. This is the guy who predicted Brenton Burson will stay and Colin Jones will stay. I've been right, you motherfuckers. It's going to happen. I'm telling you. I know you. you want it to happen, Brian, just for the memes. But even, even with it being Cincinnati, there's no way <laughs> that any team is going to trade down from number one overall. Not if you get, Christian McCaffrey, when, when too. And get the Heisman winning national championship winning quarterback who threw for 60 touchdowns in the SEC. 
nobody's trading down from that spot. Nobody. Eh, Already the, Heisman's not that, the Heisman's not that big of a deal, though. I mean, like, Johnny Manziel won it. Tim Tebow Johnny won it. Manziel. The the Bengals have already gotten their draft card and wrote written Joe Burrow's name on the card in to get to Roger Goodell. Yeah, to like it's already on the podium. Yeah, that they haven't even installed yet for the draft yet. You don't know that. <laughs> it could very, be Tua. I'm Real fairly, talk, <laughs> all, all jokes aside, if you wanted to trade, if the Carolina Panthers wanted to trade up to number one overall, it would take number seven overall, Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey. And probably Brian Burns, and that's, a future and a that, future pick. That's a little bit much. You're, it's you're not. Being a, you're it's being really a little not. facetious. You no, are. I'm really not. I'm not kidding at all. That's what it would take <laughs> to trade up in to get Joe Burrow from Cincinnati. Because a, they need a quarterback. They don't have one, so you have to overpay. Now, if, um. I don't know if Andy Dalton were any good or 10 years younger, then, you know, yeah, you probably could talk them out of it because they could still get their guy. But, you know, a quarterback needy team isn't going to trade out. Uh, like, I mean, cause just think about it logically. If Cam Newton, if there's uncertainty around his health, which is why the Panthers want to get rid of him, why would somebody trade out of the number one pick to get somebody who may or may not be healthy? I don't know. Tell me why the uh, Jared Goff and uh, Carson Wentz were picked by teams that weren't in the top two. <laughs> Joe Burrow is a significantly better prospect. than. Are yeah. you sure about that? <laughs> Joe Burrow is the Joe best NFL 60... prospect in the last like 10 years. Mm-hmm. He threw 60 touchdown passes. That's, that's... At oh, LSU. The... But anyway, back to the <laughs> The best team in college football. Wanna, but anyway, yeah, we can move on. Uh, I'm just trolling. We can. Yeah, I know. We can I want uh, this is, but this is more of a general statement. Before I, I think, just in general, I would like to challenge everybody that listen that's listening right now to the next time the Panthers make a hire or are in the news, I would like to challenge you to not extrapolate that further than what's exactly being reported. And it's not just Panthers fans, and it's not just this like Cam Newton stuff, but it's just sports in general. It's like the Panthers hired a new run game coordinator is like, Oh, this definitely signals the end of uh, Cam Newton in Carolina. It's like, no, it doesn't signal anything. It just means (laughs) that such and such takes a job. I just want to remind you all too, that chase Blackburn was a great hire rehire. I should say. Yeah. I like teams coordinator. Yeah. He he had to make chicken salad out of chicken shit this year. It's not his fault that he was stuck with a, a special teams unit full of people who didn't give a shit. But like I saw, I think Pro Football Talk said why Joe Brady towards Cam Newton leaving Carolina. It's like, what hire could the Panthers have made that you wouldn't have made come to that conclusion? Because I don't see anything that suggests like it could happen, but nothing that the Panthers have done so far signals anything in any direction. No, My I mean, favorite like, theory right now is that we're going to get rid of Cam Newton. We're going to either trade him or cut him, and then we're going to sign Marcus Mariota. That would yikes. make total sense. That's Let's a just... big, big yikes from him for me. Even trolling with the whole Joe Burrows thing, my God, like that's that's a big. Now, yikes. I mean, if let's just hypothetical, and this is the only scenario in which I would do it. If the Raiders offer both of their first round picks for Cam straight up, that would be the only way I would do it. 
They're not going to do that. No, they're not going to do but that. But if, if John Gruden came in and said, you know, I want Cam to be the quarterback for our first year in as the Las Vegas Raiders, take, I think they picked like, what, 12th and 19th or something like that. Um, I would give you three first round picks in the top 20. Yeah. I mean, I would, I, I, I'm sorry, but I would trade Cam Newton for three. I mean, I've heard, I've heard John Gruden talk about Cam Newton a lot when he was a broadcaster. So it's not, yeah. Realm I mean, I would, I would do it then, but that's like the only, the only way if I got two first round picks in this draft, three picks You're in the top on. 20, and then you can go sign Marcus Mariota. I think Marcus Mariota would be good enough in a Joe Brady offense. Because he has talent. He's not who, terrible. Who was, who was that? I didn't hear the name. Marcus, Marcus Mariota. Mariota. Oh, Mariota. Yeah, he doesn't make any sense. I think it's Tisha more than anything because he does have the talent. Yeah. I think a, I think a change of scenery is going to do him well no matter where he goes because he's clearly going somewhere else. He um, just, yes. I think that Marcus Mariota would be successful with a guy like Sean McVay. <clears throat> yes. We're like, we're he's like probably the, better than Jared Goff. They tailor the offense. Yeah, he absolutely is. Like from, from just the top, and that's probably going to be a hot take that I'm sure I'll ca- catch flack for. But like I've watched Mariota for from his rookie year to now, and like he can make really good throws. It's not like he doesn't know what he's doing on the NFL field. But I feel like to maximize his potential, you need to build your offense around what he does well, rather than what the Titans did, which was just the what did they call it? The uh, exotic smash mouth last season. Yes. And then finally <laughs> Mike Vrabel came along and they, they had like a somewhat decent offense, but Ryan Tannehill is a better fit for it. Cause he's more of a pro passer where Marcus Mariota is not like that. So yeah, I could get on board with that. Yeah. And I, if, if the Raiders came in and said, Hey, we'll give you number 12 and, and number 19 for cam then I would take that and then sign Marcus Mariota. And then you get three top 20 picks. You can quickly turn a roster around. You can replace Luke Keekley. You can draft an offensive lineman and then whatever, a defensive tackle, you can get all three of those positions in the first round. Or just there's make not a, there's not a general manager in football that would turn that down. But there's also not a general manager who would make that offer. Except for John Gruden, <laughs> who does have guys, the ability to do that. What do you guys think of uh, Ben McAdoo potentially being a coach on the Carolina Panthers? I hope staff? against all hope that we hire Ben McAdoo. <clears throat> I actually, yeah, Dude. I would be a huge fan of Ben McAdoo and Mike McCoy because they wouldn't come in and have offensive coordinator or head coach. Yeah, he's um, a, he would be a fine position coach. Well, like you have that would be exactly the ideal scenario for rule. When rule said, I want to be mentored by these people. So you bring in these guys who have the experience of being a head coach and failed, but they were brought in, they were brought in for the right merits. It wasn't like they were just some, it wasn't like they were Richard Rogers where they were just Ron Rivera's drinking buddy. It's like they had actual merit to why they were promoted to these positions. So now you bring them into the positions where they got that merit that makes a whole fucking lot of sense. Like, I don't see why anyone could hate on that. I know people will because <laughs> there's always some Carolina Panthers fan out there who hates every position coach they hire for whatever reason. 
Chase Blackburn being example 1A for me. So <laughs> people are very tied to like the ranking of a team is their resume, which it is to an extent, but it tells like 5% of the actual like a coaching ability of a coach, especially position coach. So like, like, like Chase Blackburn is an example. Chase Blackburn having a bad special teams unit doesn't mean Chase Blackburn's a bad coach or like Ben McAdoo or in another case, Ben McAdoo being a terrible head coach doesn't mean he has no idea how to coach quarterbacks or has good, like good input to improve an offense. One thing about Chase Blackburn too, I want to bring up, like there's this idea that the Carolina Panthers special teams unit sucked last year. Mm -hmm. That's not really true. Like, Throughout the beginning of the season, if I remember correctly, I was, like, really impressed with their special teams. Like, in the first half of the season, I want to say. Like, they blocked several kicks. Granted, Brian Burns did a lot of that. But their coverage units were, like, on top of returns. Like, it wasn't like they were horrible from the start of the season to the end. It was just that towards the end when there was really nothing to fucking play for and they had kick returner off the streets number six you know like that at I mean, that yeah point, yeah, yeah. They, they they tapered off at the end of the year like you said deandrew white was the kick returner and brandon hogan was the punt returner and then brandon zylstra was a punt returner Chris there's Hogan, no way you're going to be successful like that i mean it's just right. and the the colts game where they gave up all those long punt returns and the two touchdowns they had clearly given up at that point now yeah they, there was no they were going through the motions, waiting for the season to be over. Like, That's not Chase Blackburn's fault. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. And and before you say, well, it's his job to coach him up, that doesn't apply here. You can't force players to... You can't force grown-ass men who are millionaires to do something they don't want to do. Right, right. Um. But anyway, as John was saying... Al Holcomb as a... They all had Al Holcomb as a run game coordinator. Defensive, defensive run game coordinator. Yes, that's that's an important distinction. Yes. We've never had one before. Yeah, he was what, our linebackers coach? He was our before? linebackers coach from 2012 to 2000. No, 2013 to 17. 13 to 17. Yeah, not 12, 13 to 17. Back when our linebackers were among the best in the game. <laughs> Which is directly attributable to him as a coach because that's what we just talked about is how. Yeah, exactly. That's how that works. <laughs> we got into this last time, but like, I agree that it's not their, it's not entirely their fault, or I should say their merit as to why mm-hmm. the team did well at that position. But at the same time, like, you can only evaluate a coach's performance, which you, as you said, is like only 10% or whatever, but still you can only really evaluate your coach's performance on what the players do. So I will take that as a win for him, even yeah, though well, that's, yeah, sitting that's them all down, we have, them. that's all we have access to, to judge them by. That's not mm-hmm. all that exists though. And I think that's an important thing that people forget is that these decisions are being made with more information than we have. Right. No, that's, that's a hundred percent fair. Yeah, I would say David Tepper probably has access to more information than we have. I mean, just like and sitting down and talking too. to somebody, yeah. And I'm sure if Tepper didn't have access to it, he could pay for it. So, as a rich man, very. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So is there anything more we really want to get into with the Brady hire right now? I feel like, I mean, it's just kind of, we're kind of just projecting at this moment until we know what's going on with the Panthers offense as a whole. I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited too. Don't get me wrong. Like, Another thing, I think we're going to win the Super Bowl this year because they did an interview <laughs> with him when he showed up to Bank of America and they asked him what he likes to do in his spare time and he likes to watch reruns of The Office. All right, Super Bowl. Here we go. Joe Burrow. Like Carolina if he's not if he's not watching film or prep or preparing for a game, he's watching reruns of The Office. The Office and his favorite episode, his favorite episode is the cold open where they do the fire drill. The office can teach you a lot of lessons about life. Yes, it can. Yes. And it also teaches you a lot about learning to love the people you work with. So, hey, maybe we have the right coach. Exactly. Yeah. And it teaches you the most important lesson of all lessons to be taught is if there is a fire, Ryan started it. Also, you never, you never give up a your mom joke. No. Never. <laughs> Or that's what she said joke. And don't trust anybody named Toby. Yep. Toby is the worst. If the Panthers dropped him, he needs to be cut. My cat's name is Toby. I I, I resent that statement. Why are you the way that you are? (sighs) I hate everything about the things you choose to be. Anyway. So yeah, Luke Keekley retired. That sucked. Let's just jump right he into that. Um, that wasn't a nightmare. Yeah, I I think we all had our our moment where we woke up the day after and we're like, oh, that was a horrible dream. And then we went on Twitter and saw that it was in fact real. Um, so I want to run through what all three of us, I guess, dealt not dealt with, but like experienced the night that that happened. So. I'll give you guys my run through first. So I was out with with a very close friend of mine who is an Eagles fan. We were talking football. Saw that Joe Brady got hired. I was excited. He was like, he wanted to know more about it. So I told him about it. Um, I was happy. Panthers finally had a good offensive coordinator, or at least not necessarily good, but like a more progressive minded offensive coordinator. So I was pretty excited. I leave. I get home. I'm in my room. I look in the Slack chat and I see what Walker posts, which is the Carolina Panthers official announcement that Luke Heakley retired. And I thought it was a fucking joke because it looked like a Madden jersey, Luke Keekley in the article's picture. So in my mind, I was like, so is this just a joke? Like they're just saying that he retired in the game or something like that? Read the article. Nope, it was real. Went on Twitter. Nope, it was real. Go in the Slack chat. Everybody's losing their minds it was horrible and yeah luke keely had retired <laughs> it fucking sucks brad what's your story i was watching america's got talent <laughs> football guy yeah he's watching film and uh walker dm'd me Let's see if I can find it real quick. <clears throat> As my my exact reaction. Okay. At 8.35 p.m., I get a message from Walker. It says, Luke Keekley retired. I can start the story, but I probably can't finish. My reaction at 8.36 p.m. 
was he fucking what? What in all caps? And then he sent me the link to the Twitter announcement and we discussed what to do. And I'm like, he said, can I type? I don't know what to say 50 times to meet the word minimum. And then we both just kept saying what the fuck to each other. Uh, <laughs> because I honestly had no I, I, it, it surprised me and no, it, didn't none of surprise us me. it didn't surprise me that he retired early. Okay. Luke Keekley seems like the kind of guy that he doesn't need $200 million to be happy. Like he just needs a stream, a fishing pole and the ability to catch fish. Like that's all he cares about that and tackling people. And I wasn't surprised that he retired young i figured what he would do is play out this contract and then just not resign you know like he would retire yeah. in 2022 or whatever what shocked me was the fact that he did it at 8 35 p.m on a tuesday in january yeah the the, the timing the, the timing fact, is like, suspect i don't know if it's suspect the timing like well i don't unexpected. mean suspect like i don't mean suspect like I'll explain it in a minute. I'll let you get your. Yeah, part I would out. say before we get into the timing part, because I do have a, I do have a take on that. John, give us your rundown. Mine's my. I don't have mine's not as uh, emotional. Um, I was at because the gym. It's not a spreadsheet. Yeah, I was. Well, I was at the gym working on my spreadsheets, and um, my friend texted our group chat, and he's like, "John, do you know anything about Luke Keekley retiring?" I'm like, what? No. Where'd you see that? And I don't remember what he said. And then the moment after I texted back to his reply and said anything, I got like my phone buzzed with an ESPN alert. It says uh, all pro linebacker Luke Keekley announces his retirement. And then I texted back like, oh, wait, never mind. I see it now. And I was like, well, that kind of sucks. And then went back to uh, doing what I was doing. I was working kind of, on your spreadsheets. Guys. It was it's working on my spreadsheets. Gone, God. It's not like it was like Jericho Cotchery or uh, Keekly. Do you have Do you have any thoughts, Keekly? Do you have any I mean, thoughts? You named your dog Keekly, uh, and that's speak. the best you could come up with. <laughs> I, I don't. Well, because it was one of those things where, like, we're going to kind of get into. It was um, it the time it was unexpected in that moment, but I wasn't really surprised by the news. I, was, I, think I, was, I agree. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, surprised that when it happened more yeah. than I was that it happened. I would have been more expecting it to be like when minicamp is coming up, and then that's usually when players. But it was like Luke Keighley announced his retirement, and it was just like, well, when Andrew Luck, like if Andrew Luck hadn't retired last year, I think I would have been shocked. But when Andrew Luck retired, that kind of put that like planted that seed in my brain. Like, all right. Like Luke Keekley could absolutely do the same thing as Andrew Luck because they're the same person. Yeah, Luke Keekley is the Andrew Luck that doesn't play quarterback. Yeah. So, so I do have a theory. On, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Didn't no, I was just going to say. So I was just, I was kind of reiterating. I'm just, so it wasn't, I think that's why I didn't get real bent out of shape over it because it was like, I knew this day was coming relatively soon. And I guess it just, here it is. So I do have a theory on this. Um, do you guys remember when uh, Matt Rule was officially signed as the head coach? 
like the date no no like, well like just like, around around that, that couple time. weeks ago yeah yeah <clears throat> Do you oh, there you, oh there are your thoughts oh. that I'm so sorry, Keekly. I know. I feel He's for very... you. Yeah, his namesake oh. is no longer playing football. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Um, so I didn't think it was suspicious at the time, but after Matt Rule was like declared the head coach, and he went and met with Cam Newton, he went and he met with DJ Moore and all these people. He talked to Luke Keekly on the phone. Well, he did Do talk to Cam that? on the phone too. Yeah. Did he talk to Cam on the phone? Okay. Yeah. Well, oh shit, Cam's gonna retire too. Fuck <laughs> no. Um, so, no, I think it was just who was available. Like they weren't in Charlotte or whatever. Yeah, but for me, like. Yeah, but I thought Luke Keekley lived at the facility. Though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like on um, all or nothing, they showed him. He was there at like three in the morning watching film. Yeah. I guess with Cam, it might be understandable given he's still recovering from an injury. But, like, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. But mm-hmm. looking at it now, like, having not heard that Luke Keekley met with Rule, it almost seems like to me that Carolina knew he was going to retire and they were just waiting for the right moment to renounce it. Yeah, I they said somewhere they said somewhere that he'd been mulling it for like a month. Yeah. I I mean, like, to be fair, from an outside objective perspective, I can't imagine that the doctors that are working on, that were working on him after his multiple concussions, especially that scary fucking one he had against, what was it, the Saints? Yeah, where we were crying. I yeah. can't imagine that the doctors were being like, oh, yeah, you should go play football for the next, like, five years. I feel like they were probably being like, hey, maybe think about this, though. And... Uh, his decline in play in 2019 granted was not entirely his fault it was probably mainly the defense's fault. But at the same time we did see, at least I personally saw plays where I would have expected him to make that play that he didn't. I feel like this kind of all snowballed into him just being like accepting that it's time to retire or face the consequences later in life. Yeah. He definitely seemed like he was, holding back yeah, yeah. And he, he he realized he can't keep playing while trying to not get a concussion yeah. well on top of that like i've seen luke miss tackles like i've seen him miss pick like interceptions i've seen him miss tackles i've never seen him as visibly frustrated as he was this past season yeah and not just with other people like with himself too yeah like there were times where he was playing and I like legitimately felt bad. But at the time when I was watching, I just felt like I was like, Oh, it's Luke being like, I can't do this all on my own. What am I supposed to do? We're like, maybe it was that he's like, I can't be that guy anymore. Yeah. Which respect to him for like making that, like having the self, the self awareness to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like we should clarify some things for you just in case you're listening to this show and you have not read my what this means for the Panthers piece on <laughs> Cat Scratch Reader because I've seen on CSR that there are people who are still saying and asking questions that are answered in that piece if you would just go read it. But, you know, if you prefer to get your information in the podcast medium, then 
this is for you. Um, number one, Luke Keekley did not retire to get out of being on the Panthers because he does not want to play under Matt Rule because he hates David Tepper because he wishes Ron Rivera were still here or just because he wants to leave. He did not retire for any of those reasons. Um, you can choose to believe what he said about not playing at a high level anymore and take that at face value, or you can choose not to. I choose to believe what the man said on camera. That's my personal choice. You can make your own, but he did not retire to get out of Carolina because it is not possible for him to do unless the Panthers cut him from the 53 man roster. When a player can retires, what? I just wanted to interject real quick too, because there were a few people who hit me up and asked me, is this because Ron Rivera went to the Redskins? The what? If Luke Keekley God dang it. <laughs> I'm sorry. To Washington. To Washington. Um, if Luke Keekley wanted to go with Ron Rivera to Washington, I'm sure there's a way that David Tepper could have worked out trading him there. Oh, absolutely. If he so wanted to not... follow Ron Rivera, we would have traded him for Washington's second round pick. It's not about Ron Rivera leaving and going to Washington. And it's not. And the other thing that really pissed me off that I, that someone that several people hit me up about was he's angry about the scheme that they implemented. That was Ron Rivera's scheme. So it's not (laughs) about Ron Rivera. Any ideas that you have about Ron Rivera being the reason why Luke Keekley retired, shoot them the fuck out of your brain and shut the fuck up. Anyway, continue, Brad. Okay. He cannot he cannot unretire and sign with the Cowboys or Washington or anybody else. Because NFL contracts are based on accrued seasons and not calendar years. So even if Luke Keekley sits out for three years and comes back in 2023, he is still a Carolina Panther. Because if you do not play you do not accrue a season and he still has seasons multiple plural left on his contract. And I'm sure you're, and that's why like Barry Sanders retired early and everybody thought it was weird that he retired. But the reason he retired is because he asked the lions to cut him so he could go play somewhere else. And they told him no. So he said, okay, fine. Fuck you. I'm just going to retire. And he retired because he didn't want to play for the Lions anymore because they were garbage. And he never came back. If he would have, he would still be a member of the Detroit Lions because they never cut him. Brett Favre, when he retired and then unretired and then re-retired, the Packers cut him. That's how he was able to go to the Jets and the Vikings. It's because the Packers made the actual we are cutting this player transaction in the league year. If the Panthers don't do that, then Luke Keekley remains a Panther if he ever comes back. And I, I, knowing Luke, that's what he would want anyway. Yeah, that's what he would want anyway. I genuinely believe he is he is retiring because he feels like he can't or doesn't want to or doesn't have the ability to play at a high level anymore. It's got nothing to do with the coaching changes or anything like that. That's the furthest thing from it. Especially um, since, just just to interject real quick, especially since even while Luke was de- like clearly not himself last year as far as like being like the top linebacker in the league, 
he was still a top 10 linebacker. You could get some draft capital for him. It wasn't like Carolina was holding him hostage. No. Um, he was no longer the best middle linebacker in the league. Uh, but he was still good. And I know a lot of people are going to hate hearing me say this, um, but he he has gotten to the point where he was not better than Bobby Wagner. Agreed, 100%. And I know that's going to make a lot of people mad, but it's the truth. And I'm sorry that your feelings are so fragile that you can't handle hearing that a Seattle Seahawks player is good. Russell Wilson's an elite quarterback, too. Um, but anyway, uh, Wisconsin's own Russell Wilson, by the way. Um, but the other thing about Luke Keekley's retirement, and this has been a confusing point for a lot of people. So this is an educational monologue here. Um, the Panthers actually gained cap space by this news event. Um, Luke Keekley was going to cost about $15.5 million in cap space if he were on the roster because he retired the remainder of the dead money on his contract accelerates to this cap this league year because he restructured his contract at the beginning of last year and converted salary to bonus. That means he has $10.8 million in or $11.8 million. I'm sorry. In dead cap that counts against the salary cap, the 15 million no longer does. So the Panthers are gaining the 3.67 five, 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 whatever it is, million dollars in space. They're not losing 15 million. They're gaining 3.7. Okay. And what about the other 12 is irrelevant because we were going to pay him 15. We're now paying him 11. Think of it that way. So that 3.7 million is not a lot of money, but it is cap space. And the other thing, the most important thing on catstretchreader.com, no, we will not get a comp pick for Luke <laughs> Keekley retiring. Retired players do not count towards comp picks. It only includes free agency. No retirements, no trades, no cuts. It's how many players did you gain in free agency versus how many players did you lose? We so, deserve, no. We deserve a cope pick, though. We deserve coping. a cope pick, but we will <laughs> not get a comp pick. I hope that clears everything up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of, it sucks that people are sticking to the fact that he's, that he counts against the cap this year <laughs> because they don't understand how money works. Yeah, don't get mad at something if you don't understand it. Like, it would be as if you signed on to a contract with your, let's say you're a steel worker and they paid you say $15,000 up front for three years of work and you retired at one and they would have owed you say, I don't know the whole 15 million, but instead they owe you eight because that's what you signed on for, for one year of work. So that one year they still owe you that 8 million, but you don't owe them or they don't owe you for the next two seasons. It's, it's just dumb. I don't understand why people. The are easiest so way they, to explain how how contracts work in the NFL in regards to the salary cap, think of it like buying something with a credit card. Let's That's, just yeah, say, for signing bonuses in let, particular, with yeah. signing bonuses and dead cap. Let's just say you buy a television for a thousand dollars with a credit card. 
you pay for that credit you pay for that television the thousand dollars immediately it comes off of your credit card immediately but you don't pay that thousand dollars up front to your credit card company you make monthly payments so think about that and then think about a football player if if a player signs a contract that has a a 50 million dollar signing bonus the team gives him 50 million dollars as soon as he signs the contract, when the ink is dry, they cut him a check for $50 million. That's his money. They have already given it to him. But to make accounting easier and to make teams be able to sign 53 quality players, and are not quality in some cases, but 53 <laughs> players to a salary cap that is already set, they – amortize that bonus over the life of the contract in equal equal chunks so if it's a five-year contract that's 10 million dollars per year that counts toward each, each year's salary cap they're not paying him 10 extra million dollars a year they're just putting it on those those cap years they've already paid him the money the panthers have already given luke keekley that 11 million dollars he he already he's probably already bought a fishing boat with it. They they've <laughs> given him the money. Now, I don't know for a hundred percent certainty if they can do this on a restructure, but if it's a normal contract, the team can go back and get the bonus money back. The amount that is split up evenly. Like in, in my 50 million five year example, if the player retires after three years, there's twenty million dollars left on the salary cap, they can go back and get that bonus money back from the player, which would be, it's an incredibly dick move. And there is no way that the Panthers at, at least Marty Herney, there's no way he's going to do that to Luke Keekley. Like if it was like Trey Boston or something there, you know, there might be a shot, but not an iconic Panther like Luke Keekley. They're not going to go back and try to recoup the bonus. If you think they should, that's great. That's your opinion. We all have different opinions. I will be shocked if they try. Um, I don't think they're going to do a franchise cornerstone dirty like that. Um, but they can if they want. And if they do, and if they succeed, they don't. They get that money back in cap space. They don't get money. They just get cap space. Basically, if if this eleven million dollars didn't count towards the cap this year, we the Panthers would have never been liable to count that eleven million dollars that they already paid him. Exactly, the money would have. Yeah, that's another good way to look at it. it you know, I wish we had that extra eleven million dollars. Well, if they did, then that would mean that it was never there to begin with. Yeah, the yeah, it's basically the the payment they were charged for, which you can't do. Yeah. So, um, it's your salary cap FAQ, how retired players basically yeah, function as players. According getting to, cut. yeah, according to the salary cap, a retired player is just like if he were cut or traded by the team. That's the, yes. right. the same. The salary cap does not differentiate between retired, cut or traded. Which um, the, only, kinda... the only difference being if they ever decide to come back, it's not like you cut them. You're, they're just back yeah. If wrong. they come, yeah. If they unretire, they come back on the same contract. So if if Luke Keekley decides to unretire in two years, or whatever, uh, he has to fit under the salary cap. 
with the base with the salary, base salary the dead money up. has already been counted yeah but his base salary would have to fit in our in under our salary cap and none of it's guaranteed so and none of it is guaranteed so they could cut him, so they could cut him if, if yeah and it wouldn't cost him any money it would be like if he came back with Tory Smith's contract yeah and the other thing um i just lost my train of thought <laughs> oh um there is no post June first this league year. Uh, normally, if Luke Keekley would file the paperwork after June first, the Panthers could split the dead cap into two years. But you can't do that this year because the CBA expires at the end of the season or at the end of the league year. I'm sorry, and this is what is known as the quote unquote final league year of the CBA. And in the final league year, you cannot post June first cut trade or retire any contract because, because there is no from the CBA's perspective you can't split cap hits into a year that may or may not be played like right. they may the C, they may not agree to a new CBA there might not be a 2021 league year or they don't they won't agree to those same terms either yeah so, yeah and it it it, pre- it prevents teams from being able to expose too many loopholes and put off a bunch of dead cap into a league year that may or may not exist. Right. So every that it's going to, there's going to be a lot of interesting decisions this off season because every cap hit has to be taken this year. Yep. I, <laughs> I, I think it's, um, it's kind of sucks for teams that it counts that way. Like, obviously I don't think there's any other way to do it, but like what if Matt Cleal just decided to retire like the first year after the Panthers gave him that contract? Yeah. And then it's just like, well, you got $45 million counting against your salary cap this year. It sucks for you guys. Yeah. They would go. In that back. case, they would get the bonus money back. Yeah. That's they would true. go after him. And that, <laughs> that would be an open and shut case because that, that screams, I just wanted to get a $50 million signing bonus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, that, if, if a player retired like that, they would, the team would go after the money. Oh yeah. And no one would blame them. No one would blame it. I legitimately think if Luke Keekley played for another franchise, I'm not going to name which one that rhymes with Patriots. Um, they would go after it even if it's Luke Keekley. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Bill Belichick's um, like, no, you're not getting that money, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So to end the podcast, let's let's go with something nice and positive. Um, favorite Luke Keekley memory in Carolina? I have I have one. Go ahead. All right, smacking Tony Romo in the head for no reason as he scored a touchdown. <laughs> Stole mine, damn it! <laughs> probably the best play of his career. Um, I think <laughs> that, and then the, the the preseason Ravens play that everybody posted a GIF of, like every single week i was kind of i've watched that gif at least a thousand times and i still have no fucking idea where (laughs) it is first of all until he just appears it's a gif first continue Um, continue second of all that play was like almost the the signifier to like luke keekley is going to be fucking special this year yeah that was like all right season was that it was that 2013, was, wasn't it? Yeah, that was 2013. 
it was one of our three where we won the the division three years in a row. It was one of those three. No, right? it was yeah. 2013 because I remember I watched the play and I was like, holy fuck, Luke Keekley is on another level now. That's that was what like watching that play, I was like, he has transcended what we, I thought he would be. Um I think for me, my favorite play that he ever had was one that was called back, actually. Um, the Saints went to kick a field goal in 2016, I want to say. And it was either blocked or short, but Luke Keekley took it all the fucking way back for a touchdown. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot that. that I totally was. forgot about that play, too. Yeah. Probably because it didn't count. It yeah. didn't count for some like stupid I, I did, bullshit yeah, reason. Like I, I don't. It was like I a block in the cool back, at, like yeah, forty yards I down it the was field. Cool at the time, but then, like, when it doesn't officially count, I it just goes right out. Well, the thing that pissed me off about the play was that it was a block in the back or whatever that had no impact on the play. Like it was, yeah, they literally. It was like took, Luke was on the. It was like Luke was on the twenty, and he, there was a block in the back on like the forty. Like well, yeah, after, like. like it was a play. It was one of those plays where it was like, you didn't need to throw that flag. Like, we see so many of those runs in the NFL where, like, that happens and they don't throw the flag because it was away from the play. But for some yeah. reason, they decided to take away one of the best plays a linebacker in the NFL has ever made. They took it away from him because of a stupid ass block in the back penalty. I remember I watched that play. I was like, Luke Keekley is not fucking human. And then they called it back. And I was like, that is bullshit. Who was that it that made the bullshit. illegal block in the back? I think it might've been Trey Boston. <laughs> was, it, was it that other worthless dude on special teams? It wasn't Colin Jones. I can tell you that much. No, no. Like the legitimate terrible dude, like Teddy something. Mm. Oh, te- uh, Teddy Williams. Is that his name? Teddy Williams. Yeah. The one that he always got a fucking penalty on special teams. <laughs> Like it would, and it would be always be the stupidest shit. Like he would run out of bounds and then be the first person to touch the ball before establishing himself or some shit. Like he was always dumb shit. But yeah, that was my favorite play ever. It was. It was. It was Josh Norman. It was oh Josh. My Norman. God, of course, <laughs> of course, it was Josh Norman. Um, it was against the Saints. Um. Yeah, he caught he caught a block field goal like it landed. He ran over and caught it like a punt. Yeah, and he ran it back. And I think that in Trey Boston, mate, no, it was yeah, it was <laughs> Josh Norman shoved uh, the kicker, the punter in the back on like the twenty yard line when Luke Keekley was already clear, and Luke Keekley stiff armed the punter for no reason as he ran into the end zone, just like he did with Tony Romo. He likes to stiff arm people. It's on YouTube if you want to if you just Google Luke Keekley blocked field goal or for YouTube. Luke Keekley blocked field goal. You can find it. My favorite legit play that he ever made where it actually counted was his sack against Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. And I know that brings back painful, painful memories for many Panthers fans. But at the fucking time when Luke Keekley made that sack, I was jumping up in the air because that was just. You were like, all right, I'm fucking ready for this Super Bowl. Like when he came up. He sacked Peyton Manning. He jumped up. He flexed. He was all he was all about it. Like, ugh. It was just like, I'm ready for the Super Bowl. And sadly, it did not go much better after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Another one, same season, the the pick six he had when, I, I guess you could call it a dagger, but the game was already decided. 
uh, against the Cardinals. Will you oh, please yeah. stop taking my fucking picks, man? Well, I didn't know you. I thought you were. But I haven't got to go yet, and you've taken <laughs> two out of my three. Well, you have one more. The, but the best thing about that play, aside from the touchdown that to make it 49 to 50, like nobody's gonna stop us. Was that the fan fell onto the field? That was amazing. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. And Luke turned around. <laughs> that, that's why like, I was gonna pick he, that one. After yeah. because of the fan the touchdown, he's like, "Oh hey, are you all right?" And helps yeah. the guy up. <laughs> yeah, and then he and then continues running along, celebrating with his teammates. Uh, that's such sorry, a Luke Keekly. That's such a. But that's like Luke Keekly in a nutshell. I'm sorry, Brad. Go all ahead. Right, say yours before I accidentally steal it again. Okay. It's the week before that was the pick six on Russell Wilson against the Seahawks. Oh, that was so good. When we went up, what was it, 14 to nothing? Because yep. I think we, yeah, we scored on the opening drive because Jonathan Stewart had like a 50 yard run on yep. the first play of the game and then he got tackled because he's slow. Um, <laughs> but then Luke Keekley, like they, they sacked Russell Wilson on first down and then he, then Luke Keekley got the pick six on second down. And, even though the ending of that game was more exciting than it should have been, I knew that we were going to win because of yeah. those plays. You know, it like it set the tone for the whole day. And then I was hoping he would get a pick six in the Super Bowl because he would have been the first ever player to have a pick six in every game in the playoffs. But it was not meant to be. Um, you would have but my, other, my absolute would have favorite, my absolute favorite Luke Keekley moment wasn't even a play. Uh, if you haven't seen All or Nothing, you're not going to get this. But when him and Cam Newton are on the phone with Josh Norman before the, the Panthers played Washington, and he's giving away their game plan to Josh Norman, and then he <laughs> realizes that he shouldn't be doing that, and then in the middle of it he says, wait, I'm being stupid. And then he just <laughs> they just stop, and they, Josh Norman lets out this ungodly-sounding cackle laugh and it's just the funniest thing, especially if you, you know, Luke Keekley is Mister Serious, Mister Business. It was, it was nice to see that, like that side of him. Um, yeah, th- that's the kind of stuff I'm gonna miss. The thing, Luke Keekley, and this kind of goes back to All or Nothing too. When they were talking to him while he was like fly fishing or whatever it was, and it's so funny because on the field he's so mean and aggressive and angry all the time and so fiery and then they're talking to him after the se- an awful collapse of a season he's like you know we played a lot of close games i thought we were pretty close you know i think we we're a better team than a record indicated we just caught some bad breaks and we'll, we'll be we'll be good next year and it's like that is not what i would have thought you would have said based on how your body language was on the field you know yeah it's like when he is like he's so the such a like archetype of a player that you know turn is like a totally different person on the field than off it yeah, it's like he's like blackout whenever he's on the field. I have one last one. Um, 2017, I want to say it was against the Dolphins. Um, so Brett Coleman from the Battle Red blog, which is the Texans SB Nation site. Yes, Keekley, I know. You That's Penny. Penny. Penny doesn't like the Texans. Uh, okay. so well known fact around this household. Um. So if you've never watched Brett Coleman on YouTube, go watch his stuff. He's very good. He does a very excellent film breakdown on things. But he he had one for Luke Keekley against the Dolphins. I want to say it was 2017, but it might have been 2013. I'm pretty sure, though, it was 2017. The Monday Night Football um, game or the day game? It was the Monday Night Football game. It says soon, says it. Yeah. 
the Panthers were running cover two, and the Dolphins were running some kind of out route. It was either a stop or an actual out route, but it was a it was basically schematically made to beat Carolina's coverage. Like in a vacuum, this play always works against this coverage. But what Luke Keekley did was he ran the coverage he was supposed to, and then just immediately booked it to the corner where the out route or stop route was going to be and made the interception. And it was something the quarterback could have never fucking predicted. And he picked it off. Carolina scored on the ensuing possession. And it was one of those plays where it, it like perfectly illustrated the kind of player Luke Keekley was because you just can't coach against that. Like there is no coaching against a guy who says, Oh, this is the route you're running. Okay. I'm going to go pick that off real quick. Out of was that Jay Cutler that threw that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Then yeah, even if they could have schemed it, Jay Cutler would have still thrown the interception. <laughs> still. <laughs> not to take away from Keekley though. Like he was No, 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 that's like, not what uh, I'm doing. I'm shitting on Jay Cutler. <laughs> you you got supposed... when that opportunity presents itself, you have to take it. Yeah. Basically the way the route concept was played was Luke Keekley was supposed to take the over out arcing route behind it where he would have been completely out of position. Instead, he just ran right to where the ball was going to be, picked it off, like, as if he was running the route. And that fucking blows my mind. That kind of encapsulated the kind of player that Luke Keekley was, where it didn't matter how well you game-planned or how good you were at throwing those routes or how well your timing and chemistry was. There were just those times where Luke Keekley would be like, Sup, bitch? I'm here. I'm going to fuck this play up. And... I- I enjoyed all the opposing fans that on Twitter and on Cat Scratch Reader that were like, "I'm so, like, it sucks to see such a good player leave, but I'm gonna be so much happier watching my team play the Panthers because he was so annoying." Yeah, which is exactly <laughs> the type of player you like having on your team. God. Before we go, I have uh, a couple tweets from Jonathan Stewart. Um, Jonathan Stewart tweeted yesterday. So who's about to pan- who's about to be the Panthers' defensive coordinator? Lots of exclamation points. I have someone in mind that they should hire. Number 59, no-brainer. And then he tweeted after that, or linebacker spot, seeing things are looking to fill up in the coordinator spot. I I wholeheartedly endorse Jonathan Stewart's endorsement. Yes. Oh, yeah. Luke his first Keekley, name. I, I think that, I don't know, like, Luke, from a realistic standpoint, I don't know if Luke Keekley is ready to be a defensive coordinator, but you I should bet fucking you that absolutely... He... I bet you he will be in about two years. He's yeah, probably going to want to get away from football for a little bit, and then he'll be ready. I would absolutely endorse bringing him in. And, like, as we've seen with this Matt Rule coaching staff, you could just bring him in as being, like, the defensive passing coordinator or something like that, or defensive right. rushing coordinator. Or just even a assistant, defensive or just fucking fabricate a position. Linebackers coach. Just just make him the linebackers coach. Just fabricate a linebacker. position for him. Just just make one up for him. He'll be fine. Doesn't yeah, matter only... where you put him. No, I think Luke Kiklu absolutely will be a good defensive coordinator if he wants to be. I think the only thing holding him back from doing it right out of the gate is just learning the administrative side of things. Yeah. Like his knowledge, like the knowledge and the game planning and the scheming and stuff, I don't think it'll be a problem. It'll just be like the the office stuff that you have to worry about and like how to manage position coaches and stuff that he would have to kind of learn. I feel yeah, like he's going to be paperwork. one of the few, he's going to be one of the few elite players who would actually be a good coach. 
Yeah, and he said he wants to stay involved. I don't know what level that that means. Like, if he means he wants to be, like, back in the NFL in some capacity or if he just wants to, like, coach the local high school defense or something. But I do think he's not done with football. He said any that in team, his little Any team that can video. get him to coach their linebackers will be better off for it. Yeah. Oh, man. What a week of – what a day. What a Tuesday that was. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, I just want to give a big shout out for anyone listening here who follows CSR. Big shout out to Brad, who's on here, obviously, Eric, Mick, everybody who just came out and even Walker, I should say, too. Walter Walker. I don't know what his fucking name is. Um, Who? The metaphor dude, whatever. The best part is, is the best part is, is you, he you'll get away with that because he doesn't listen to anything. So I know he doesn't, <laughs> He'll never he doesn't, know he doesn't like things. Um, but big shout out to the staff of CSR who shoveled out content and shoveled out. It wasn't even just content. It was heartfelt content when Luke Keekley retired. Like it just goes to show what well, mine wasn't. Mine was the nerd stuff. I thought yours was still pretty heartfelt. I felt like you put a lot of thought into it. Um, don't fucking downplay yourself, Brad. I do. And All right? I this, do is appreciate... 20, this is 2020. I'm not here to break you down anymore. I'm here to build you up. <laughs> I do um, appreciate that of all of the content, the Luke Keekly content that we put up, the one that got the most reader interaction in terms of comments and stuff was the one about salary cap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, knew that. I knew that's what was going to happen. I know my audience. <laughs> and not about the emotions. It's like, hey, let's talk yeah. about all the good stuff. And it's like, I will, for, I will about salary cap? love Luke Keekley. I'm so thankful for him. I will He's say the best thing I've ever seen. He made me love football again. I mean, Eric made a fucking Hitler um, downfall parody about it. And I mean, all I did was talk about the, the salary cap. Like, I will say Eric's that's literally when, all I did. Eric's post about Luke Keekley blew up on Facebook. He had like 150,000 interactions. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, but anyway, I just wanted to say shout out to the CSR staff for jumping on that. And it wasn't just, you know, like moving the numbers, like getting posts out. This was like legit heartfelt. Like we fucking miss Luke Keekley stuff. Incredible. Like I was very, proud of our staff and i'm really happy with the way things went there and i feel like we gave him a pretty good send-off and i think we will still continue to do that but that was just a great cohesive effort and i was very proud of the staff myself as a social media coordinator as i was as i was scrambling to try and continue to keep things up on facebook so great stuff and if you haven't checked it out already if you're listening go there check out the stuff we posted because it was pretty good you did a good job too, Brian. I don't want to suck my own dick here. So shout out to everybody but myself. Yeah, John didn't do anything because yeah, John was emotions. busy. John was busy posting about the Hornets and about how many field goals they made. Trying to, I couldn't figure out a way to quantify my emotions, so I just let it go. Yeah, his spreadsheet doesn't doesn't <laughs> calculate emotions for him. No, so that's so why I was lost. You don't have a pre-made formula for that, do you, John? No, I don't. No. Working on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything else we want to touch on here, guys? Uh, no, we're good. No, this is... no. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to go. It's time to yeah. go. As Luke Keekley did. Rip. I did. Oh man, I did. I, did. I made a Luke Keekley joke like that too, and it was. I felt bad, but you got to do it. 
Yeah, you just got to. Well, from all of us at, blah, wow. Um, from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian joined by John and Brad. As always, we will have some more content as the Panthers fill out their coaching vacancies. And as we progress towards free agency slash the draft, so continue to check us out. Check out CSR. Check out all of the posts we mentioned. Hopefully you find some entertainment in this boring offseason. Despite this week, this wasn't boring at all. But anyway, from all of us here uh, at Keith Manning Podcast, this was Brian, joined by John and Brad, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you guys. Later. Keeps the football. Takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff, and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown. Oh, the Milton keeps. Lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shovel pass, McCaffrey, touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart, and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know. It is good, and Carolina gets a road win in New England.